Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mozingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thanks for listening today. Today we have part three in a three-part series on the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues has been very controversial for over a century among Christians. Some of that has been due to tradition and the way things have always been done. For others, it is a matter of fear or discomfort or a lack of experience. Continuing today, Pastor Todd is going to walk us through the Word of God only, not tradition or experience. He explains from Scripture the foundation of this gift, one of the many that follow those who believe. Pastor Todd completes his teaching from 1 Corinthians 14 and teaches how tongues should be used in church. Many churches have avoided tongues because the Apostle Paul says that everything should be decently and in order. For many, everything about tongues feels the opposite of that, and so they are avoided. However, Paul also says that I wish that you all spoke in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14.5. Pastor Todd goes on to teach us from the Bible how a church can and should operate in tongues in the assembly of believers. Let's listen in as Pastor Todd explains. If you are not sure that tongues and the other spiritual gifts are for today, Check out Pastor Todd's previous messages on that. Be sure to listen to the end for some important information about Pastor Todd's new book. Y'all ready to get into it? All right, let's do that. We are in a year of the Holy Spirit. That's been our direction to study and draw closer to the Holy Spirit during uh, 2022. And we have been in a study of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, And we started three weeks ago with two weeks in just the gift of tongues, Uh, and then we went to a resurrection week, and so we spent some time with that, and now we're going back to our study on the gifts, and one more lesson on the tongues. Uh, And and this should be, I hope this wraps it up today, but let me just say, there is no way to cover all of this subject. There is no way that I can, in, in a series of sermons, try to completely cover this gift's of tongues because it's just bigger. Like two weeks ago when we started digging into chapter 14, which is where probably the majority of the conversation on tongues is in the scripture, uh, we learned these things. That chapter 14 is not actually about tongues. Chapter 14 is about prophecy and the comparison of tongues to prophecy. Prophecy being a greater gift only because it doesn't need interpretation. Tongues can be very, very similar to prophecy, but tongues needs interpretation to edify the church. We learned that we could pray in tongues. We learned that we could sing in tongues. We, we learn that God wants us to prophesy, but will use tongues even though prophecy is more efficient. Why would he do that? Because God spoke to the people of Ephraim by putting them under foreign tongues of the Assyrians when they were not listening to the prophets of God. Hence today, he says, this is also a tool. I will speak to you in another language, and it will have to be interpreted for you. So what we want to do is look at what he says about prophecy real quick before I go forward because he says, if you use prophecy, those who listen to your prophetic word, and I'm quoting straight out of scripture here, can be convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. 
And so that was the point he was making in chapter 14. The fact of prophecy is in your language. It is a word from God. Listen to it, but if not, he'll use tongues. So today, I want to continue in 1 Corinthians 14 and try to finish this conversation on tongues. So after just talking about the Assyrian captivity and the value of prophecy, we get to verse 26, and it starts this way. What is the outcome then, brethren? What is the outcome? Now, why is he asking that question? Because Paul is saying that I just explained to you that we will have to use tongues, but if it is not interpreted, the unbeliever and the ungifted will say you're mad. Why? Because they don't understand what you're saying. And he just said, if we use prophecy, people will worship and declare God. So, The next thing he says is, so what do we want to do about the fact that we will speak in tongues in church and prophesy? What is the outcome then if we have this use of tongues and this use of prophecy in a church setting? The entire chapter discussion just changed a few scriptures back when he said, however, in the church. He had a complete conversation about tongues. He told you about the fact that he prays in tongues. Told you about the fact that he sings in tongues. Told you what's the outcome if he doesn't understand what he's doing in tongues in his mind. He says, I'll pray in my mind and in my spirit. So now he's going back and saying, let's talk about tongues and the use of tongues when you gather as a church. Some of you are nervous already. you got to (sighs) breathe. When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. He has said that over and over and over in this chapter. Let everything you do in the realm of tongues and gifts be done to edify the church. What is edifying the church? Building it up. Building it up. Build up your brethren. Build up the church. Make sure if you're going to use your gifts in a service that it's for the purpose of edifying the church body. But I'm going to set the stage. With that being said, there's no biblical agenda for a church service. A lot of churches get criticized for having an agenda, and they should be free to move in the Spirit, but I believe the Spirit moves in the pre-planning of a service too. I believe she doesn't know we're doing baptisms on this Sunday, and she opens with come alive. I mean, how do you do that? That's, that's the Holy Spirit moving. But there's not, we're not actually required that when we assemble together that we should sing some songs and we should minister in some way and we should hear a Bible message and we should take up an offering. There's no agenda laid out in Scripture, but Paul gives some components of things that might happen when we come together. He says you'll have songs and teachings and prophetic words. Uh, that's revelation, if you will, revelation from God. And you'll have tongues maybe and you'll have interpretation. You'll notice he did not say, when you assemble together, you'll have prayers, you'll have offerings, you'll have a ministry time, you'll have the laying on of hands, you'll have impartation, you'll have ordinations, you'll have baptisms, you'll have announcements. Why? Because he's not talking about the agenda of a service. He's talking about some of the components in the realm of wanting to explain how tongues would work. So he's not addressing what we should have in assembly. He's addressing prophecy in tongues in the context of gifts when they're used in an assembly. Are we clear? Good. Good. I saw the movie too. 
So he's about to give some instructions on how to do these two things in church after he has talked about praying and singing in tongues. So verse 27, here we go. You ready? If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. There is so much to talk about here, but we're going to take it phrase by phrase, okay? So he starts by giving instructions on tongues, and we need to remember the points that he has already made in this chapter about tongues. He says in, in the previous chapter, there are tongues of men's and angels. He says every language has a meaning. He says we can pray in tongues, we can sing in tongues, and listen listen, this has been my point the whole time, there are various kinds of tongues, and tongues do not edify the church body unless they are interpreted. So with that in mind, let's go look phrase by phrase what he says here. If anyone speaks in a tongue, remember we're talking about in the assembly of the church gathering, if anyone speaks in a tongue, notice if and not when, not a requirement that someone does, but if someone does. It should be by two or at the most three. Interesting that Paul would say two or three people at the most. Why would he be saying that? Why would he say just two or three, that's enough? Because you have to go back to what he's already said. What he said earlier was if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, they will say you're mad. So he's saying if the unbeliever, the ungifted come in and everybody's in tongues, they're like, What's the point of being here? We don't know what these people are doing. They're all speaking another language. We don't understand the language. So he says, if you're going to do it, let's do it one at a time, and it doesn't need to consume the whole service. Two or three, that would be fine. Paul is inferring here, inferring, 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 inferring here that it's not something that everyone does in the service and should be speak and we should be speaking in tongues for interpretation but only two or three at the most and look at the next phrase and each in turn now remember we need an interpretation so if more than one is doing it more at, at one time it creates confusion and chaos unclarity and it needs to be done one at a time now you got to stay with me and you have got to remember the phrase various kinds of tongues because what we're talking about right now is tongues with interpretation for an assembly tongues for interpretation in an assembly but this brings up a point I want to make that's going to tick some of you off. <laughs> write me an email. I won't read it, but you can write it. <laughs> it indicates that each is in turn. This would say that there's an orderly fashion that tongues are done in, and each of the people speaking in tongues takes a turn. I'm not saying we can't all sing in tongues. Remember, we're talking about tongues and interpretation for the assembly. I'll make that even clearer later. Later, Paul's going to actually say, if you're doing tongues in a church, it needs to be done properly and in order. And I know that ticks some of you off, but stay with me until the end of this message. If I see you get up and leave, I'm going to point you out. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. So as a recovering fundamentalist, 
As a recovering fundamentalist, this is something that's confused me about the experienced, spirit-filled group when it comes to how they approach tongues in a service. Because most people with a spirit-filled history will say, it has to be something done spontaneously in a service. And although I believe it can be done spontaneously, wait, where's the camera? I believe it can be done spontaneously in a service. I believe the scripture indicates that it doesn't have to be because he says you're going to do it in turn and it indicates that there's some planning so it can be spontaneous but it doesn't have to be spontaneous. And when I look at the list that he presents about things going on in assembly, he says there are psalms, there are teaching, there are revelation or prophecy, there's tongues and there's interpretation. We don't expect songs and teaching to always be spontaneous. Like we come here and we gather and we wait and say, anybody got something to teach? Anybody know a song you want to sing? Nothing wrong with that at all. A prophecy is not even always spontaneous. Sometimes it's in the moment. Sometimes somebody's got a prophetic word that they got earlier in the week, and they come and they say, I've got this word. Can I release it? So we got to watch the spontaneous thing that it doesn't put us in a box. So why do we believe that tongues has this special delivery method, and it has to be different from songs and teaching and revelation? Because there's no indication of that here. But for some reason, many believe there's only one way to do tongues in church, and that's spontaneously. Again, we must take a broader view of tongues than we've had in the past. Or we will do what we did in the past, and we will get the same results that we had in the past. So can a person come to church with a song, a teaching, or a prophecy, and yes, can it be spontaneous? I have no problem at all with our worship leader, Alicia, deciding it's time to sing Joy, Joy, Joy down in my heart. I'm just going to guess, but my guess is you didn't know you were going to do that. Okay, so a spontaneous song in a service, listen, that was done completely in order, complete, beautifully done. So, yeah, we can come in advance with songs and spontaneous things still happen. So all I'm suggesting to my more experienced, spirit-filled leaders is that could it be possible that we could come prepared with a tongue to give to a church service in the way we come with a message or a song. Some of you who were grazed in the spirit-filled environment, you're saying, what is he talking about? I don't know who determined that it had to be spontaneous, and it can be done spontaneously, but I think it can also be done with planning and preparation. Amen. Let's move on. And one must interpret. Here we go. So we also need somebody that can interpret the tongue, okay? And this becomes a massive club, a beat-up club in so many churches. We must have interpretation. The Bible clearly says tongues in a service must have interpretation. If there's no interpretation, no tongues in the service. <laughs> but remember, you're going to need this in a minute, we are talking about tongues in the assembly where we want everyone to be edified by what you said in tongues. Why do we need interpretation? Because if you don't have it, no one is edified because we don't know what you're saying. Look at the next line. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church. 
Now, this for me is a statement you got to stop and think about. What is he actually saying? Because I've seen people leave church, and by the way, leave this church because they heard someone during the worship service singing or speaking in tongues, and they said there's no interpretation, so this is an unbiblical church, and they left. Wow. Wow. They'll say that, but listen, in order to find out if there is an interpretation, doesn't somebody have to speak out in tongues? Like the baseline of that argument is kind of fluff because you're going to say there was, a, there was tongues, but there was no interpretation, so this is not biblical. Listen to me. How are we going to know if there's tongues if somebody doesn't speak out first? Then we got to find out if there's an interpretation. Now, he goes on to give instructions about what to do. If there's not interpretation, we'll get to that. So everybody chill. It'll be fine. So why would you leave because someone is speaking in tongues with no interpretation? Now, let me show you what we're missing. What Paul is meaning to say here is if on a regular basis you're trying to speak out in tongues in the assembly and there's no one to interpret, stop. If we bring you up on stage because you said, I've got a word in tongues for today, and you give the word in tongues and there's nobody to interpret, then we say, okay, go back and sit down. This is over. Until we have someone to interpret, this isn't edifying the church. But then he says something really interesting. And really important if you care to understand tongues in church. This opened my eyes. He says, but if there's no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church. And if you keep reading, it says, and let him speak to himself and to God. So if a person speaks in tongues and there's no interpreter, it's a great day. If a person speaks in tongues and there is no interpretation, then that person needs to keep silent, except that person can speak to himself and to God. What does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? You have to go back to verse 2 and 4 of Corinthians 14. He says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, he does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Four, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongue, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. So his reference to silence is not about shut your mouth. It is about no longer give a word for the church to be interpreted. It's not about not using tongues. It's about the fact that when you're giving it and there's no interpreter, we need you to just be silent as far as proclaiming a word in tongues for the church. All of these statements tell us that speaking in tongues in church is okay, but if you're speaking in tongues for the edification of the church body and there is no one to interpret, then we sit down and we don't deliver the words to the body. Hear me out. Maybe this will make it clear and easier. There is a gift of tongues and interpretation. That is not the soulness, that is not the wholeness, that is not the completeness of tongues. And I'll explain that more in a minute. But we're talking about tongues in the assembly for the assembly to be edified. If we are singing a song and you are sitting over there praying in tongues, you are not trying to edify the church body, you are edifying yourself. 
But if you come up to me and say, I've got a word in tongues to deliver, now we're talking about church uh, where we have tongues and interpretation in the assembly. And if you give that word and it is not interpreted, then we say, don't keep going. Just sit down because we don't have an interpreter today. Maybe no one with the gift of interpretation is here. Maybe that word is not to be interpreted. But here's what I'm saying. Tongues in church is not a problem. He's talking about when you're getting up in front of the congregation or in some spontaneous way trying to deliver a word to the entire congregation, it needs interpretation. That's all he's saying. He's not saying no tongues in church. He's not saying you can't sing in tongues. He's not saying you can't pray in tongues. He's not saying you can't speak in tongues in your seat. But if you're going to try to edify the body, we need to get it to where you can edify the body, and then we need to have interpretation so we know it and we get edified. Are you with me on that? All right. So then he goes on to say how prophecy is handled, and I'll cover that when I actually cover prophecy. But I'm going to read this next few verses just to make a point. Let two or three prophets speak. Again, I'll cover this in future weeks. And let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to one who is seated, the one must keep silent. Watch. For you can all prophesy one by one. You can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be exhorted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. I don't know if you saw it, but he says prophecy is basically handled the same way as tongues, one by one, so that we can hear you, so that it can edify and exhort the church. Then he wraps it up with this statement. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. This refers back to what happens when we're all speaking in tongues and no one can understand what we're saying and saying we're mad. It's chaos. He said, let's do this one at a time with the exception. Stay with me. Verse 34. <laughs> Some of you read ahead, didn't you? The women are to keep silent in the churches for they're not permitted to speak but to subject themselves just as the law also says. And if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their husband at home. For it's improper for a woman to speak in a church. Was it from you that the word of God first went forth, or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. I'm not copping out on you, but I'm not covering women in church today. Today we're talking about tongues, and in the future I will cover women in the church. But I want you to hear me out so you don't have to wait for that sermon. I believe women can speak in church. They can minister in church. They can lead and play an active role in the church. And in another time, I'll teach on it. But here at Revive, we have women who lead our altar ministry. We have women who lead worship. We have women who teach classes. We have women who preach and teach our congregation from the stage. It's just a bigger subject than what you think it is. So I'll cover it at another time. But stay in there. I'm not being politically correct. Women play an active role in the church today. All right, let's finish this chapter on tongues. Therefore, my brethren earnestly desire to prophesy, but do not forbid to speak in tongues. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly 
manner. A couple things to note here. First, Paul says again, I want you to prophesy. Why does Paul want you to prophesy? Because prophesy doesn't take interpretation. Prophesy, you can deliver it, they can receive it, and the word of God has been delivered. Tongues is different. You deliver it, and then we got to have somebody interpret it for it to be fully delivered. So he's encouraging us to prophesy, and then we are told, do not. I don't know about you, but when my mom looked at me and said, do not, I don't know what it was, but I was not going to. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. So any church that tells you you should not speak in tongues is directly in violation to Paul's instructions. And again, why would we be telling the church at Corinth how to do this stuff? The church at Corinth in 55 AD, why are we telling the church how to do that if it's not valid for today and it was only for the apostles? That argument makes no sense. Number two, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. Listen, this statement has been used by so many people who are afraid of tongues in order to control congregations. This is not a club you swing at people. Spontaneous things can be done properly and in an orderly manner. Let me say that again. Spontaneous things can be done properly and in an orderly manner. But Paul says you can step into chaos if you don't agree that things need to be in order. But I want you to hear me. Not control. Order. Order. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, one of the very frustrating things is I want your word to be delivered well. So I look at an orderly, fashionable manner to do it in, and I get, oh, you're just trying to control me. You're just trying to control things. I'm not trying to control. I'm trying to enhance. It's not about control. So if you think it's control, I'm just saying very kindly, check your heart. Check your heart. Maybe there's some pride there that's saying, I get to do it however I want to, and I'm saying the way you want to do it is not effectively delivering it, so let's find an orderly, proper way to do it. I'm going to not look up. <laughs> so we just covered 1 Corinthians 14, a chapter on prophecy that gives us a lot of instruction on tongues. But there's still more to cover on tongues, and I'll be quick. First of all, what brings tongues to a believer? Because if you're here and you don't speak in tongues, please, I said this in the first message, chill out. I was a believer for 30 years before I spoke in tongues. 30 years. And I'll tell you in a minute why it took 30 years. What brings it? A baptism in the Spirit brings it. We know that because on the day of Pentecost, uh, Jesus told them, here, have the Holy Spirit on the first day of the resurrection, but now I want you to wait in Jerusalem until he comes upon you with power. And when he came upon them with power and Jesus said, John said, that's the baptism that I talked about, he baptized them in the Spirit and they began to spoke in tongues. But listen, that's not all they did on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, it also brought a boldness to them. It brought a joy in the form of a drunkenness, and it brought prophecy to them. Tongues can also come by the laying on of hands. We find out in Acts 19.6, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Tongues, according to the Bible, can be a sign of the believer, Mark 16, 17. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. 
but I want you to hear me out. It's another theological contest. Tongues is not the only evidence of being baptized in the Spirit. It's certainly not the only evidence of being saved. Many different gifts come from a baptism in the Spirit or the laying out of hands. you got to remember that they had boldness and they had a joy and they had prophecy. All of that came with the baptism of the Spirit scripturally. you got to remember Peter. I love this story. Peter was afraid at the house of Caiaphas while Jesus was being prosecuted to be crucified. You remember this, right? And denied Christ three times, saw Christ, goes out and bitterly weeps. This is a guy who is afraid to let anybody know that I'm with Jesus. I've been following this guy. I know this guy. This guy's the Messiah. He's afraid to do that to the point where he denies him three times and then goes out and weeps about him. And then at the day of Pentecost, he stands up in front of all Jerusalem and says, you guys crucified the Savior. That's a boldness, man. He wasn't afraid at all. Same Caiaphas is there, and he's saying, you guys crucified the Savior. It's okay. It was a predetermined plan of God. But wow, what kind of boldness came over Peter after he was baptized in the Spirit? Next thing to remember, tongues are generated in your spirit, not in your soul, not in your mind. We talked about this body, soul, and spirit. The spirit in sin is considered death. It is brought to life. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in your spirit. Your spirit is brought to life. Then you can begin to operate in the spiritual things. And the uh, praying in tongues is not your soul praying. That's why you don't know what you're saying because it's not your mind praying. It's your spirit is praying. I remember when I first began to pray in tongues, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit one day, I was like, do I have to do this every day? And he said, it's been 30 years, let me pray. <laughs> so if my spirit is praying, what does my spirit pray? Verse 2 said, to the one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. So what is the benefit of my spirit speaking mystery, mysteries? He said, the one who speaks in tongues edifies himself. So these mysteries are a conversation between my spirit and the Holy Spirit, and they're a mystery to me, but powerful and effective in the spiritual realm. Let me show you the connection that you may have missed in a scripture you're incredibly familiar with, but never connected it with tongues. How many are familiar with the armor of God in Ephesians? Okay, this is another paragraph, paragraph problem. I've mentioned this before. When Paul writes a letter, he writes. He doesn't have paragraphs and sentences. He just writes, okay? Someone else came in and said, well, I think he just changed thoughts, so let's make a paragraph break here. Sometimes you've got to read over the chapter from the end of this chapter to the beginning of the next, and you'll find out they're connected. Sometimes that paragraph break doesn't actually make sense. It's not a new thought. It's the same thought. Let me show you. I'm in Ephesians 6. I'm going to read it without the paragraph break. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, stand firm. 
Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith which was, uh, with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the spirit, and with this in view, be alert with perseverance and petition for all the saints. Do you see it? He just said, wear your armor and pray in the spirit. It's all one thought. All one thought. Wear your armor, pray in the spirit for the perseverance of the saints. Every believer, this is really controversial. People struggle with this. I'm telling you who struggles with it. The person that struggles with it is a person who is not speaking in tongues yet. How do I know that? Because I was this person. Every believer can speak in tongues. Every believer. Why can every believer speak in tongues? Because you have a regenerated spirit indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And that's where the language is going on. So if it's coming from the Spirit with the Holy Spirit, then if, you've got, if you're a born-again believer and your spirit has been regenerated, then tongues is available. You say, well, why am I not speaking in tongues? And I'll tell you why I wasn't. Because for 30 years, 30 years I was told you can't. Because some of us have been taught wrong. You've just been taught wrong, and that belief is so embedded in you. Here's the belief I had. There's a gift of tongues, and if I had the gift of tongues, then I could speak in tongues, but I don't have the gift of tongues, so I can't speak in tongues. Then why is Paul telling me up outside of the assembly that I should be able to pray in tongues and sing in tongues like he is? So then I feel somehow inadequate because I can't pray in tongues or speak in tongues. Listen to me. Get over that. Get over that. If you're not praying and speaking in tongues now, you will be. God does not want to withhold that from you. He says if we ask the Father, will he give us a stone instead of bread? No, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. I've heard people actually teach that verse as you can get demonic uh, tongues. There are demonic tongues. But do you think if you ask the Father for the gift of tongues that he would give you something demonic? That's not the Father. I can't answer for you specifically. For me, it was 30 years without because I was taught I couldn't. I'm telling you, if you're here today and you're a believer, you can, and you may be doing it before you leave the service today. Phew. Paul says there are various kinds of tongues. Stop limiting this to one thing. Tongues is for everyone. It's for the edification of the church. You can pray in it. You can sing in it. You can proclaim it in a church, and it can be interpreted. And there are tongues of men's and angels. So I'm just going to say it this way. I pray in tongues. I sing in tongues. I find it incredibly powerful. I know I'm speaking. I know I'm speaking a language, absolutely unequivocally without doubt. Inflection is there. Pauses are there. Um, uh, excitement, emotion is there. And I'm building something up inside of me that changes me as I go forward. In our Saturday morning prayer time, sometimes we're praying in tongues. In our services, you may hear a word given in tongues and the interpretation of that. You may hear people during our service praying or singing in tongues. Listen to me. That's fine. That's not meant for the edification of the church, which needs interpretation. That's people praying and singing in tongues. Be okay with that. 
Tongues isn't weird. It isn't scary. And it isn't crazy Pentecostal stuff. It's just a gift we're given by the Holy Spirit. It can edify you, it can build you up, or it can build up the church. But I'm telling you, if you're struggling with it, if you're here today and you're thinking, man, this is one of those churches, they do that tongues thing. Be available for God to show you something you didn't know. Stand to your feet, please. I'll ask my altar ministers to come forward. We're going to do something together here because I want to be really transparent and obvious with you today. I grew up in the Church of Christ. I moved into the Baptist Church, and then I went to this thing called the non-denominational, whatever that means. And then about eight years ago, I got baptized in the Spirit, and things began to become real in Scripture that were never real to me before. I had to make excuses. I had to plan them away. I had to theologically understand them in different realms because they weren't for me, I thought. So this is what I know if you're here today. If you are frustrated because you don't pray in tongues, you don't speak in tongues, you don't sing in tongues, I want to start by saying, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you know that he died for you? Do you know that he took all the penalty and punishment on the cross for your offenses to God on himself, and all he asked you to do was believe that he did that for you and that he was raised to life so that you could have an eternal life with God and not spend eternity away from God? If you're willing this morning to say, I haven't believed in what Christ did on the cross. I haven't believed that he was resurrected so that he could give me life. I believe this morning I'm going to accept that, that he did that for me, that I can be saved, that whoever I'm following I'm going to spend my eternity with, so I want to follow God through Jesus Christ. I want to be hidden with Christ. I want God to look at me and say, Christ is taking care of all of his offenses and sins, and an eternity with me is available. Come on. If that's you this morning, make the decision. I need what Jesus did on the cross applied to me. I need to believe that I was separated from God because of my sin and that I can be reconciled to him by believing Jesus took my sin on the cross because he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in him. Accept that. If you're here this morning and you've been a believer, Man, you understood the decision. You made the decision. You see that, that there are things in your life that God is conducting and orchestrating and that the Holy Spirit has come to you. You're walking things out, but you're frustrated because I don't get this whole prophecy thing. I don't get words of knowledge. I don't speak in tongues. I don't know what that's all about, and I don't know why I don't get it because I'm open to it, but it just hasn't happened for me. I am praying for you this morning because I spent 30 years where you are. 30 years saying, why don't I speak in tongues, God? So here's what we're going to do. Please bear with me. If you're here and you do pray in tongues or sing in tongues, I'm going to ask you to begin to pray and sing in tongues in just a minute. And while you do that, I'm going to ask anybody who does not to be open to receive a baptism in the Spirit right here, right now, and we're going to release your spirit to begin praying and speaking in tongues. So believers, 
who are spirit-filled and who speak and pray in tongues, please begin to pray. Please begin to sing. For anybody who doesn't, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now, could you come and touch them? Could you come and baptize them right now? Could you pour yourself over them and release it? The lies that they have believed, could you cancel those lies? Could you cancel the teaching that they had that was against you, Holy Spirit? Could you release them into a baptism in the Spirit even right now? Even right now, could they be released? Could their mouth be open and could those words begin to flow? Could that language begin to come out? Could they take the risk and say, I believe an enemy in the name of Jesus, I shut your mouth right now. You cannot tell them it's not for them. You cannot tell them it's not for today. You cannot tell them that they're unworthy. So Holy Spirit, come in the name of Jesus and just release that baptism in the Spirit over them. Release that speaking in tongues. If they're at home in your living room right now, listen, the Holy Spirit is every bit with you that he is right here in this place. I call him to just baptize you, to pour over you, to allow your mouth to be open to the things of the Spirit and for you to begin to understand that it's for you, that it's for every believer, that because your spirit is regenerated and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, tongues are available to you. The gift of tongues was meant for the church and interpretation. It is not the sole definition of tongues. There are various kinds of tongues. Be released this morning to believe that you could. And when something comes out of your mouth, the first thing the devil is going to say is you're making that up. You're making that up. You're just babbling and dribbling, but that's not it. You've got to release. You've got to believe the Lord wants it for you, and you've got to believe that even if you're not doing it correctly, God is going to bless it and turn it into correctly. Oh, he wants to touch you. Let him do it. Open your mouth and let him do it. It's going to feel awkward at first. You're going to wonder, is this real or not? Enemy's going to try to convince you it's not, but let it roll. Let it roll. You'll see it turns into a language. You'll see be released into a flow of speaking. You'll see you be released into thoughts. You'll feel your spirit regenerated and revived. You'll feel something is going on. I'm saying something. It's changing things. It's making me stronger. It's edifying me. Holy Spirit, in this place this morning, we just want to honor you. We just want to honor you. We want to invite you to release yourself and pour yourself over those who have been waiting, who have been wanting, who have been confused, who have been mistaught, who have misunderstood. Pour out your spirit. God, pour out your spirit in this place in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm bold. If you believe this is the first time you've actually begun to speak in tongues, could you just raise your hand? I see you. I see you. Praise God. I see you. Come on. Come on. Come on. This is what I'm going to tell you. 
Praying in tongues is for today. Go home, find a place in your closet. I was alone on my back patio when tongues came. Believe it's for you. So this morning, if you're here and you got something going on you'd like somebody else to pray for, maybe you want to press into tongues, maybe you got a financial issue going on, maybe you got a marriage problem going on, maybe you got a relationship problem or something going on that's really stressing you, we believe that the joy of the Lord is our strength and it should be poured over you. So these altar ministers here, and they're here for whatever prayer request you have. Maybe you got something going on in your body. Maybe a doctor has given you a diagnosis word. Maybe there's a pain that needs to be released and relieved right now. Whatever it is, we're going to invite you to come up to pray. I'm going to close this out in a prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. And if anybody wants someone to pray for them, please come forward. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just want to honor you. We just want to fulfill everything you have for us. Whatever you have wanted to do with the church in this territory, do it with us because we love you. We're submitted and committed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We're excited that Pastor Todd has released his latest book called Old is the New. The Old Testament is filled with stories that seem amazing on their own, but they also leave questions. If they are history and not part of the new covenant that we have with Christ today, then why do we need these stories at all? What are they there for? Could it be that those stories were recorded and saved for us because there is something they can teach us? Could it be that those stories actually help us understand God and the new covenant He has with us? Could it be that somehow those stories guide, teach, and help us understand what God has for us as new covenant believers? And finally, could there be a hidden mystery in these stories that actually give us revelation for today? This new book will be available in the next couple of weeks on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.